Plus, given the 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 unlikely nature of our hopefully engaging in Avodah Zarah, but there is something that is much more likely, and that is our encountering things that were worshipped or that were used in connection with Avodah Zarah. And the two main points of this chapter is to teach us how something can become forbidden after having been after having been used for Avodah Zarah, and also how after something has been used for Avodah Zarah, something can become permissible. It's a pretty long chapter. We're going to try to uh, do it faster than usual, but uh, it, it's a, it's a very long one. Halacha Aleph. Very important concept. Something that has neither of two qualities. Number one, it wasn't, let's start by the second one, which is easier. It wasn't made or modified by a person. And Adam means it doesn't have the it doesn't have possessibility. It's never been possessed. It's never been possessed by it's never been under the dominion or not yet under the dominion of man. If it has these two things, it, it was never made or modified in any way, and it's not possessable by a human, or was never, been, was never possessed, then if something like this was worshipped, then there is nothing to it. It continues being mutar behana'a. Therefore, uh, things that uh, the goyim worship that are like mountains or, or trees that were planted, again, now that they planted it for worship, but trees that were planted for, let's say, fruit bearing. <clears throat> or springs that... Uh, they spring out to the public. In other words, they are not within a, a particular property. Veta behema, or an animal, a living animal. None of those things become forbidden just because they were worshipped. They were never the goims to begin with for their um, actions to make it forbidden. And there is something, a psychological insight here. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Avodah Zarah is about owning your God. Avodah Zarah is about owning your God. And in here, the object that was being worshipped was not uh, was not property in the sense that nobody owned it, nobody did anything to, to, to show their ownership over it. And it's permissible to eat those fruits that were worshipped were if they were worshipped on the tree <coughs> in that animal. We don't even have to say that if an animal was separated for purposes of Avodah Zarah but was never worshipped, that this animal continues being permissible. Whether it was separated, this animal, to be, to be offered or to be worshipped, when are we saying that the animal continues being permissible? Only when nothing was done to that animal in the name of Avodah Zarah. 
But if the person did anything on that animal in order to show his ownership over her for what the Zaraz we are going to say, uh, it's forbidden. Kesad, how so? For example, if uh, the, the Goy already started slaughtering it and this slaughtering was in the name of Avodazara, or if the animal was used for bartering, if it was used as uh, as something that was exchanged for something else, it's also a, 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 a it means ownership. Asura, even if it was bartered with on a derivative transaction, so uh, I, I I exchange A uh, for B so that I acquire C. Um, because this now becomes like property, like uh, like currency or property or value that belongs to Avodazara. So we look at, the, at this animal as value, and as value is value that belongs to Avodazara, and value that belongs to Avodazara, as we saw in the last chapter, is forbidden. A further qualification. When this animal belongs to the person worshipping it or using it to barter for Avodah But if one goy used the animal of his friend to worship it or to barter with it, then it wasn't his. He did something to the animal, but it wasn't his. Then it doesn't become forbidden because this is an important principle. A person cannot make forbidden something that is not his. Again, not that this is the this is relevant legally, but just to remember to put you in the right frame of mind, none of these things would make this object of worship the worshippers, the possession, the ownership of the worshippers. If someone bows down to the ground, to the soil, it does not become forbidden. But if he did something in that soil, on that soil, in order to, for Avodazara, then it does become forbidden. So for example, if he if he plows the soil, or if he makes inside it all kinds of holes and pits and ditches. But, Another example, water that is coming, let's say, on the ocean. Uh, ocean was another uh, very common object of worship back in antiquity. <coughs> um, if, uh, if a wave is coming, and uh, there must have been some kind of a religion because the Gemara discusses this case, that worship the ocean. So the wave is coming, is breaking onto the ground, and the goy quickly bows down to it and worships it. Then it does not become forbidden this water. But if a goy displaces water by hand artificially, by hand mean doesn't mean with your hands necessarily, but with <coughs> with anything. So he takes a bucket from the ocean, he takes some water, he pours it somewhere, and then he bows down to them. Then this water, it was possessed by a human, <coughs> and 
and therefore it's capable of becoming forbidden and it becomes forbidden. Stones that uh, they 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 came off a mountain, they they uh, roll down a mountain, and then as they fall down or as they are fallen at the foot of the mountain, someone comes and worships them. Then you know they are stones that, in theory, someone could possess them, but because nobody ever possessed them. And they are still part of the wilderness, they cannot become forbidden, they are mutarot. Because this is an example of something that doesn't have this human possession. Gimal. Israel is a Jew that erected a brick to bow down to it. Remember the example uh, that of uh, of one of the forms of Avodah Zarah that even if someone takes a brick and says Eliata is Hayav, well, so again, this person is taking a brick, it's erecting it, which again, this would be an action. This is an action of possession to erect something. And he was about to bow down to it, but he didn't. But then a goy came and bowed down to it. Then he uh, it's it's forbidden because the erection of this stone of this brick is an action of possession. Likewise, if he manages to take an egg and erect it. And then a goy comes and bows down to it, it becomes forbidden. Uh, if, uh, if someone takes a, a pumpkin, this is sort of relevant for uh, the pagan custom of Halloween, but not uh, too directly. Someone cuts a pumpkin or something of the sort, <coughs> he cuts it off the ground and bows down to it, worships it in some way, the pumpkin becomes forbidden. But if he takes this pumpkin, he starts cutting it in half and he doesn't cut it all the way. So now you have a pumpkin cut in half that is still connected. The two halves are still connected to one another. And then he worships only one of the halves. What happens to the other half? The Gemara concludes on Teko, it doesn't know. So Hareze Asur Misafek, not it doesn't know, it's inconclusive, it wasn't concluded. This is forbidden out of Safek, uh, uh, out of um, the, the indefinite nature of this law. There is no law whether it's forbidden or or whether, whether the, the, the Dela, the pumpkin becomes forbidden or not. Because one argument for saying that they are forbidden is that the half that was not worshipped is connected, is an extension of the half that was worshipped. We said that someone who worships a tree that was already planted does not make it, make it forbidden. But if you plant the tree for Avodah Zarah from the outset, then it becomes a surbahana'ah. And this, in fact, 
is the Asherah that is mentioned in the Torah. It's a tree that is planted from the beginning for serving an Avodah purpose. Now, say that the tree was already planted, but then the Goy came and carved it or pruned it all for Avodazara purposes. So it's it's tricky, right? Because on the one hand, it still is a tree, it's part of the wilderness, it's, it doesn't, you can't really um, own a, a living thing. Uh, unless you gave life to it, unless you planted it. And by the way, by ownership, I'm not saying here legal ownership. I'm talking about psychological ownership. Uh, so you did something to the tree. The tree looks the way it looks because of something you did. Even if the person then did something that's called Habracha uh, or uh, it's, it's to take a branch from another tree and to connect it to the original tree so that it becomes part of it. So even if he does that and these branches started branching out even further, So what you'd have to do then is think as though this tree, this tree was permissible up to the point that something was done with it. And then everything that came from that point and on, every branch that grew from that point and on is forbidden, but the rest of the tree is permissible. Likewise, if the tree was not touched, they didn't touch it, but the Goy worshipped it, so while this tree is being worshipped, anything that this tree produces is Asur Bahana'a. The tree itself is not forbidden, it's not in Botefosat Yad Adam, but <coughs> things that grow while it's being worshipped, they have too much of an attachment to the Avodah There is too much of a likelihood that people will attribute the growth of this tree and the growth of these fruits to the worship, <coughs> and they are forbidden. A tree, let's say a vineyard, that the goyim used to safeguard it. It, was, it wasn't uh, open to the public, nobody could take from their fruit. And they used to keep those fruits and safeguard them and say that these are being grown uh, in, in order to make a drink, let's say wine, for Avodazara. So, for example, a vineyard at the back of a church, uh, the grapes of which are being used for wine for the mass. Uh, so this is forbidden because the presumption is that this tree itself has some sacrality attributed to it. It's Asherah. We define what Asherah is. Asherah is something that was planted from the outset for purpose of Avodazara. So we don't know. We don't know if this tree was planted or not, but the presumption is that it is. It has been planted for Avodazara. And that's why they're using 
this fruit specifically for this. Because that's what's done with trees that were planted for purpose of Avodazara. A tree that served a purpose of shielding a statue that was Avodazara, so they put a statue under a tree. The tree itself is not being worshipped, but it's serving as an accessory to the statue. So, so long as a statue is there, the tree is an accessory to it, and the tree is forbidden by extension. But the moment that a statue is removed, then the tree becomes permissible. Again, Adam, a living tree that was not planted for these purposes, cannot become forbidden by being worshipped. Now we go beyond, we, uh, we move from trees to artificial structures. A house or any other building that was built in order to be worshipped. So say some form of a of a uh, a, um, a tomb, a, a, a some building that that the building itself has sacrality, or a a, a house to which people bow down and worship. A house that was built uh, was built for another purpose, and then they decided to start worshiping it. This structure, yes, but Adam, right? It's a, it's a, a building is something that can be possessed by humans. Therefore, if it's worshipped, it becomes asur. Hayabanui, if it was built, sorry, by the way, another condition that is satisfied here is asahu, asahu. This is something that the human made. So if it was already built, and the only thing that the goy did is the, he he painted it or or patched it up in order to uh, in honor of Avodazara until it looks new. So he renovated this house for Avodazara. Then only the renovation, only that improvement becomes forbidden, but the structure itself does not. And again, look at the psychology of Avodazara. The goy is worshiping the handiwork of his own efforts, right? So he, his efforts caused his efforts caused the improvement of the house. That is what he's worshipping. He's not worshipping the house itself. Now, like the tree, if the if the house just serves as a house for Avodazara, it's not worshipped in itself, then so long as Avodazara is in it, the entire house becomes forbidden. But once Avodazara is taken out, the house loses its function for Avodazara and it becomes permitted again. Now, 
הואיל ונעשה שיעבד, ושאר האבן מותר. This is a separate משטה in מסכת עבודה זרה. Likewise, uh, just like a building, a, let's say a singular brick or a singular stone that was carved, was prepared uh, in order for Avodazara, <coughs> it becomes forbidden. But if it was ready, let's say they take a brick that was part of uh, a construction site, set apart for construction purposes, nothing to do with Avodazara, they take a brick like that, and then they see then they, they, they make it look nice, they paint it in order to worship it. Even if they carve inside the, the stone itself, inside the brick itself, and obviously then, if they just cover it with some, with some uh, seed, with some uh, cement, then if you want to derive benefit from the stone, the stone itself did not become forbidden, only the improvement became forbidden, and then remove the improvement, and the stone itself is permissible. <coughs> like the, the, the tree and like the house, even שעמיד עליה עבודה זרה, הרי זו אסורה כל זמן שהיא עליה, סילק עבודה זרה האבן מותרת. A rock, boulder, a stone that served as a platform on which they put an עבודה זרה, an object of worship, then so long as it serves the purpose of a platform, it's forbidden, but once it stops, it ceases serving its purpose, they remove the statue from there, it becomes permissible. מי שהיה ביתו סמוך לבית עבודה זרה ונפל, אסור לבנותו. Being neighbors with someone with a house of worship of עבודה זרה, say a house adjacent to a church, if, if your house falls down, if the house of the Jew falls down, it's forbidden to rebuild it. Why? Because in a way, you are creating a support, a side support, for the house of worship of Avodah Zarah. Ketzad hu so what is the solution? If you want to rebuild it, you'll have to suddenly uh, put your building, move your building a little bit away from the building of Avodah Zarah, so that when you build it, it doesn't serve as a support for the other building. So what do you do with the space now created between the two buildings? And you make sure to fill up that space with something that makes it unusable. unusable. You can use it for uh, garbage disposal purposes. They used to use the in-between of walls for garbage disposal back in the day. By the way, uh, a footnote, uh, interesting story. This is what they had done with the Western Wall, with the Kotel HaMaravi, before the King Suleiman decided to clean it up. And he, he started a rumor in Yerushalayim that there were golden coins hidden in, in that garbage pile. And then uh, the citizens by themselves trying to find those coins cleaned up the Kotel. So why do we do that? In order, because if you left the space empty, then fine, you're not rendering support for the building of Avodah Zarah, but you are allowing it to have more space. So in order to avoid giving them more space, we fill it up with something that is not, is not very nice. 
היה הכותל שלו ושל העבודה זרה, עידון מחיסה למחיסה. מחיסה שלו מותר בהנאה, ושל העבודה זרה אסור. אבניו ועשיו ואפרו, הכל אסור בהנאה. If the house actually shared a wall with עבודה זרה, so let's say the wall of my house is the same wall that on the other side there is a church, then this wall itself, we see it as belonging half to me. My half is mine and I can use it, I can hang, hang a picture on my side of the wall. And the other side is of, of, is of Avodah Zarah. But the material, the building material of the wall, if this wall collapses, I cannot use any of it. Now we go to... <coughs> to um, al is going to start something that continues actually in the Alachot, the last Alachot of the Perek. But it's the second point I said this chapter deals with, which is what to do with something that is Avodah Zarah, how to make it become permissible again. כיצד מאבד עבודה זרה ושאר דברים שנסורים בגללה כגון משמשיה ותקרובת שלה? שוחק וזורה לרוח או שורף ומטיל לים המלח. The way to make עבודה זרה and things that are forbidden because of it, like accessories and things that were offered to it, permissible, is to destroy it. So uh, the, the only way you can do it is to destroy it. Uh, if you find Avodah Zarah, you, uh, you have to dispose of it completely. You, you pulverize it, you make it into dust and throw it to the wind, or you burn it and throw the ashes to the ocean. דבר שאין בו תפוסת יד אדם שנעבד כגון הרים ובהמה ואילן, אף על פי שהנעבד עצמו מותר בהנאה, סיפוייו אסורים בהנאה. והנהנה בכל שהוא מהן לוקה שנאמר לו תחמוד כסף וזהב עליהם ולקחת לך. וכל סיפויי עבודה זרה הרי הן בכלל משמשיה. A qualification to something we said before. Say you have a mountain, it doesn't have תפוסת ידם, you cannot possess a mountain. But the mountain has an improvement, is improved. Someone went and covered the tip of the mountain, they used to do this with gold. So then they worship the mountain. The mountain itself will never become forbidden, but any covering, any improvement on that mountain, that is Mesham Meshea Vodazara, and that becomes forbidden. Avodazara Shel Goim, Shabitluha. שביטלו הגויים קודם שתבוא לידי, ליד ישראל. עבודה זרה that was in the possession, in the ownership of a goy, and the goy himself, so the only way a Jew can, can get rid of עבודה זרה is destroying it. But a goy, the one who worshipped it, the one who give, gave it sacrality to begin with, the goy can remove the sacrality from the עבודה זרה. Again, remember, nobody worshipped the actual statue. Nobody worships the object. All the Goyim have always worshipped the spirit that they think they can make inhabit this object. So just like it can come inside the object, it can also leave the object. And we have a very nice example in the book of, uh, of Shofetim with, uh, I'm sorry, the book of, of Shemuel with Pelishtim, 
and and the way and the way that uh, the Pelishtim had a god called Dagon, and then they they captured the Aaron, they captured the the holy ark of of the Mishkan, they put it inside the temple of Dagon. There was a miracle, and in the morning, Dagon was found, drop dropped uh, it, uh, the statue of Dagon was uh, on the floor, and uh, and then they assumed that although the Aaron must have struck Dagon, the spirit of Dagon must have gone somewhere else, and they they assumed that the spirit was now in the on the platform or inside the platform that used to serve as support for that statue, and therefore the Pelishtim Sesetanach started worshiping that platform, the Miftan. So if uh, if the Avodazara was nullified if the sacrality of the avodazara was nullified by the goyim before before it comes to the ownership of the jew then it's permissible <coughs> the torah only forbid forbade things that are elohehem that are their gods therefore if they are no longer their gods it's permissible However, but if something already belongs to the Jew, then there is no remedy to it. It will continue being forbidden forever. Even if it was owned in partnership with a Goy, this Goy cannot affect the prohibition of this object of Avodazara. Rather, it's forbidden forever. And it needs to be disposed in a way that's not ever going to be used. Likewise, a avodazara of a goy that was it, it came to the ownership. It came to be owned by a Jew, and then after or while it was owned by a Jew, the Goy comes and says, hey, you know what, I'm going to take my spirit back from your statue. It doesn't work. It continues being Asur And a Jew can never remove the sacrality of the Avodazara, even if it belongs to a Goy. And I suspect that Hachamim did not want... There is some, there is some worship also in deciding when the sacrality leaves the Avodazara. So Hachamim did not want to encourage Jews to engage in that act that makes you feel in your subconscious that you are the one determining when a statue stops being sacred. Therefore, they said, if a Jew makes something stop being sacred, it continues being forbidden. Goy katan no Avodazara. A goy who is a minor or who doesn't have the mental capacity, he has some mental incapacity, he cannot engage in the act effectively of nullifying Avodazara. Again, it's a deliberate act, it's an act of uh, deliberately and consciously removing the spirit from the statue, they cannot do that. They don't have the, the mental capacity. <coughs> However, uh, if it's done under duress, if the goy does it under duress, it does count 
this is done consciously, not willingly, but consciously, uh, but with the condition that the, the goy who actually is doing the nullification, he himself is a worshiper. You need to believe in it to be able to remove it. We said there is three things that are forbidden. The thing that is worshipped, its accessories, number two, and number three, the things that are offered to it. So if you are, if you nullify the first one, let's say you have a statue of, uh, of Buddha and a goy comes, sorry, a goy has a statue of Buddha and he decides he no longer wants Buddha to inhabit that statue. So he comes and, and breaks its, uh, its head to symbolize that thereby releasing the spirit in their view, then anything that was forbidden because of the statue, so its accessories, the clothing the statue was wearing, and uh, incense that had been offered to it, or food or flowers, all, uh, so the Meshameshe the, the become permissible, the clothing become permitted once the Avodah is nullified, but the offerings, they are forbidden forever. Now we go to the actual technical way by which a goy can, so to speak, release the spirit of the Avodazara, thereby uh, making it permissible for Israel, for Yehudi. What are some of the ways by which the goy can nullify vodazara? He can cut a little bit, a symbolic piece of it, a little piece of the nose, a little piece of the ear, a little piece of the of the uh, of the finger, or to deform its face. Even if that deformation does not involve removing any subst substance, any material fr from it, or even selling it to someone whom the goy knows is going to destroy it, for example, to a blacksmith, to a, to a Jewish blacksmith, uh, in other words, as if to smelt it. But if this uh, Avodah was just given as a deposit for something, let's say for a loan, security for a loan, or it was sold to another Goy, or it was sold to a Jew who is not a blacksmith, or if uh, if uh, something a building collapsed on it, and the goy did not bother to remove the stones from from it, the debris from it, or if it was stolen and the goy decided not to pursue it, or if he does degrading things to the avodazara, but that are not destructive, so he spits on it or he urinates on it, Giradaha, or he, he starts he starts uh, uh, carrying it around in a very degrading way, or throws or throws garbage or feces on it, this is not enough to render it uh, not Avodazara anymore. So just one line of an insight, all of these things do not cut the ownership from the mind of a goy, and a goy can have 
a worshiping relationship with an object that he hates. Uh, the, the love and devotion that Goy feels towards the Avodazara, which again is a projection, can also be manifest as hate. It's the passion what counts. And a Goy can have an Avodazara at home that is hated, uh, he's in a bad mood with it, um, and, and at the same time, it attributes sacrality to it. In fact, Goim always have had uh, deities that they hate and deities that they love, and both of them are being worshipped in their own way. Um, now, what happens if the Avodazara was deliberately abandoned by its worshippers? It's not that something happened to it and then it was abandoned, but from scratch it was abandoned, a decision out of nowhere to abandon the Avodazara. If this is during peace times, there is no reason for them to have abandoned it other than they're deciding they no longer consider it sacred. <clears throat> so it's then it becomes permissible. But if it's during wartime, then it's possible they abandon it uh, as part of the, the the circumstances of war, and therefore it's forbidden. If the Zara was broken, broke itself, it broke by itself, nobody broke it deliberately, then the pieces themselves are forbidden until the Goy comes and does something deliberate to signify he wants the spirit to no longer be in that Avodazara. So if you find broken pieces of Avodazara, those broken pieces are forbidden because it's possible that the Goy never uh, did the bitul never tried to to remove the sacrality from it and if the avodazara was made of separate pieces that could be put together could be pieced together pretty easily <coughs> then one more thing that we that the gemara discusses uh, nullifying one piece is not enough the goy would have to nullify each and every piece of that uh, puzzle that becomes avodazara but if it's if it's something that is not easy to piece together by someone who is not who is not uh, familiar with with how to put these things together, then if a goy uh, does bitul to one limb of that of that uh, puzzle, then the rest becomes nevutal as well. Mizbah <clears throat> an altar of Avodazara that Nifkam means it 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 got uh, ruined in some way, but it's still usable. It's forbidden until the majority of it is deliberately destroyed by a goy. In other words, with a mizbeach, with an altar, if a goy comes and just chips something away from it, or removes one of the stones, that's not enough. 
the need to actually do something with the majority of the structure. But a bimos, bimos is a different kind of an altar, like the word bama, uh, bimos becomes permissible. What is the difference between bimos and mizbeach? Bimos, evenachat, bimos is made of one single stone. It's a large, it's, a, it's an altar made of one single rock, one single boulder. And mizbeach is made of several rocks. So it's more like the example we said of uh, Avodah Zarah that can be pieced together easily. Different subject, but on the on the issue of stones. How can you be Bevatel? We spoke about this Avodah Zarah of Marculis that used to be made of stone and used to be worshipped by throwing stones at it. So you find a lot of stones around this Avodah Zarah. How can this possibly be ever made kosher? So let's say you buy a field from a goy, and in that field there is in the back a, a worship of Marculis with a lot of stones. You want to use them, what do you do? The moment the goy re he, he uses them for a different function, retools them, these stones, and he uses them, let's say, to build a road or or to, to fix something, that in itself is an act that is sufficient to remove the sacrality of Marculis. What do you do with the Asherah? The tree that was planted for Avodah The Asherah, it can be much more symbolic, even taking any little chip of wood from it, or one leaf, or even scratching it, uh, or, or shefayah to shafot uh, is to is to, um, to 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 make the tree naked, to to um, to remove the outermost, to peel it, to peel it off. So if this was done, not as part of the worship or to take care of the tree, but as a symbolic act to remove the sacrality, then it becomes permissible. Shefayah if the tree was peeled for its own purpose, for its sake, let's say it had bugs and they, they, need, they needed to remove them, or this was the way to make it look prettier. If you peel a tree, it looks white and, and nice. <coughs> so she is forbidden, the tree becomes forbidden, the Asherah is forbidden, but the the peels, the, the, the wood carvings that were removed with the peel, that is mutar. But if it belonged to a Jew, it doesn't matter what was the purpose of it, given that if it belongs to the Jew, it can never be made kasher. Therefore, just uh, do, do, doing something uh, that's not necessary for the tree will not render it not avodazara. So the tree and anything coming from it, all of its peels are forbidden forever. Because Avodazara that belongs to a Jew can never be nullified. And with this, we finish chapter 8.